This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm Casey Spansel, an IISE member and a quality manager for Advanced Cutting Solutions in New Orleans, Louisiana. The COVID-19 pandemic produced many challenges for the healthcare system in the U.S., one of which is tracking key pieces of life-saving equipment as patients flooded hospitals. Nanda Guru, also known as Guru Durai, an engineering student at Louisiana State University, worked with industrial engineer Malad Amini at Our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center to create a tracking system for CPAP and BiPAP machines that created efficiencies in locating the machines across the hospital campus. In this episode of the podcast, Guru, Malad, and I will be discussing how the project came about and the benefits it created for the Baton Rouge Hospital. Malad and Guru, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Let's start by going into more detail with Malad's background and the work he has been doing with LSU's Industrial Engineering Department over the past few years. Thank you for having me, Casey. I'm Malad Amini. I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in industrial engineering. I joined Our Lady of the Lake Hospital after finishing my master's at LSU in summer 2017. Our Lady of the Lake is an 800-bed hospital based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, with more than 7,500 employees. As an industrial engineer in the Lean Department, I have worked on several hospital initiatives, including patient safety, supply chain, patient satisfaction, throughput, and many more. We usually use the DMAIC approach for larger projects and PDSA, or as we refer to it, PDCA, for smaller ones. I should say my favorite thing about my job is the problem-solving aspect of it. It is truly exciting to get to work with a diverse group of people with different skill sets and backgrounds. Over my tenure here, I've gotten to know and work with hundreds of people, including doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, ancillary support, administrators, and most importantly, LSU Industrial Engineering students. And tell me more about Our Lady of the Lake Hospital. We are part of a collaborative between LSU and Our Lady of the Lake that is called Healthcare System Engineering, HSE. As part of this collaborative, since 2017, our hospital has worked with 57 IU students on 21 different projects, which 17 of those were senior design projects and four were graduate level projects. We've also had two undergraduate interns and four graduate level interns over the past couple of years. So senior industrial engineering students can fulfill their capstone project or as known as senior design project in a healthcare topic here at Our Lady of the Lake. Each year, there are groups of three to four students that work with um, a faculty member from LSU and one member from the Lean PMO department towards their project on a real healthcare problem. As I mentioned, we've also worked with masters and PhD students like Guru on some initiatives 
like the respiratory equipment storage project that we're going to talk today. Before we get into details, I should say Guru was the main lead on this project and my role was more of a um, mentor and facilitator for him. That's great. So whenever I was at LSU as a student, we didn't have a co-op with Our Lady of the Lake. So it's fantastic that that's happening. It's really opening up healthcare to industrial and systems engineering. That's great to hear that. Can you give me an overview of the project that Guru worked on with you at Our Lady of the Lake? Sure. So the project was focused on the retrieval process and the inventory of BiPAP equipment, which um, BiPAPs are a type of non-invasive ventilation for patients that have difficulty breathing. So we use a lot of BiPAPs in the hospital and we are a large facility and we have three buildings. Um, so as you can tell it gets kind of tricky on where those equipment go and how we're going to get uh, whenever we need another one. Um, so as Guru worked on this project, the interventions and solutions were centered around three pillars. One of the pillars was visual management. So part of that was 5S, part of that was the visual cues in the room to help the respiratory therapist know the correct power level of the bypass. Um, the second intervention was um, the training and the proper utilization of our asset management tracking system. The one we utilize here is called Skytron. That's our vendor. That was the second intervention. And the third one was um, utilizing Skytron to send out automatic text messages whenever our defined thresholds for bypass were violated. So we had thresholds defined for say the areas that the equipment is not supposed to go or the times that an equipment stays in the hallway for a longer period of time than reasonable. And third, when an equipment enters a room and um, it's not supposed to be there because it's exceeding the par level that was defined for that area. So that's what we refer to as automated text messages. And as that triggers, there were subsequent tasks that needed that needed that needs to be done by the staff in order to address those alerts and text messages. So that's just an overview of the three main um, pillars of the solution. You mentioned that you use the DMAIC roadmap for this project, and we see that a lot in Lean and Six Sigma methodologies. One big technique that's used in that is voice of the customer, and that's a very important first step in gathering data. How did you go about collecting the voice of the customer for this project? So I think it's, um, it's super important for an outsider when they walk into a project and they want to work with a certain area and department on their processes to have a good grasp of their processes. The thing we use a lot here um, at our department and also beyond our department, we refer to them as gimbal walks, is when you go to the actual place that's work is being done and you observe those um, staff members that do the job. So you kind of want to see it from their eyes 
and see how they go about their day as it relates to this that specific process that you're observing. So in this case, Guru can speak to it that he was um, very involved with um, shadowing the respiratory therapist, having multiple meetings with their leaders, trying to understand what the pain points are and what's the best way to approach those barriers. So I think um, one, one way that Guru and I went about this was using survey. We distributed surveys among um, respiratory therapists, trying to understand what the barriers are for them in finding and retrieving and storing their equipment. We also asked them what's working well. So we try to kind of target both. So if I want to sum, it, sum this up, it was a combination of gimbal walks, meetings, survey, um, that help us get that voice of customer for this work. Guru, tell us more about yourself. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Nandaguru Durai, and I did my undergrad in aerospace engineering, and I'm graduating now this semester with my master's in industrial engineering from LSU. Uh, I got introduced to this project through HSC Collaborative with LSU and our Lady of the Lake. As mentioned by Miller, we acquired the voice of the customer through surveys and also with uh, meetings that we had with the uh, project leaders. So, um, Guru, what were some of the concerns or problems that Our Lady of the Lake employees were voicing? And once you gather that information, what were some of the goals that you outlined in the beginning of the project? So, from the survey and the meetings, we learned that uh, over 70% of the candidates who responded to the survey said that uh, for them, uh, it was IPAP uh, was the challenging, most challenging equipment to find. And uh, the problem with finding the BIPAP is that uh, it's been used all over the hospital, like uh, from 30 to 48 patient care units, including COVID special units. The BIPAP uh, spread across three building structures, eight storage units, and 12 floors. So here you can see where the problem comes from as the equipment is needed as quickly as possible. And also it's it's a, it's placed all over the place and we only have 51 BiPAPs in the facility. Um, I'll just give a quick note about the equipment itself. So BiPAP is a bi-level bi positive airway ventilation assist system that's mainly used for assisting patients with uh, having dis uh, difficulty breathing. Uh, and also having con uh, for conditions like heart conditions, deep apnea, and also for COVID-19 patients. It seems as though the BiPAPs became even more critical than before, especially with COVID. And that was something that you found from doing your Gemba walks. So based on also what you told me about how it's spread across different buildings and things like that, I imagine there's a lot of travel time and it's hard to track. So I know that that was one of the main things that you tackled in your project was tracking the BiPAP machines. Can you talk to me more about how you did that? Yeah. Um, for me, when I, when I got into this project, uh, it took me like two to two, two, three weeks just to learn the floor. And I, I constantly get lost. And, you know, for me, it's, it's hard to get lost and it's even harder to find an equipment, uh, which is situated in, in a patient room. So, so I had to do a lot of uh, 
Gamba walks where we, I went with the respiratory therapist to show me around like where they uh, be when uh, like during a normal shift hours and uh, when will they get the order for the BiPAP and how will they go about like where will they first check for the BiPAP and uh, what will be the secondary location that they will search for the BiPAP. Um, here at Our Lady of the Lake, there is a uh, here at Our Lady of the Lake, there is a asset management system called Skytron, which tracks all the equipments which are with the active RFID uh, system. So the 51 BiPAPs are monitored in the storage units, in the patient rooms, and also on the corridors outside the so, uh, patient rooms. So we basically use the system to know where all the BiPAPs are. But one technical issue was that not everyone was happy with the UI of the Skytron. Only uh, people who are like familiar with uh, IT, they were able to log in and search for the BiPAP and locate it. Others used uh, lesser technical uh, methods like uh, they'll just text their peers and also they'll just call the supervisor and ask whether uh, they saw any BiPAPs while they did the morning walks. So this, this presented that uh, there is no straight way to find a BiPAP. So um, as Guru mentioned, we had a system for, uh, we still have a system for tracking our equipment. It's an um, asset management system, but it was not utilized to the to the extent that it was capable of. So what Guru did and what he utilized for his work, he not only found opportunities with the current system that we were having for tracking our assets, but he actually built a process behind it to support that system. Because technology by itself, not going to help you 100% of the time if it's not supported by a process. Absolutely. It's so important to make sure you integrate everything. And that's one of the big problems that we face as industrial and systems engineers is making sure that making an improvement in one place doesn't negatively affect another. It's a very good point. So Guru, what were some of the other industrial and systems engineering techniques that you had to utilize for this improvement project? So uh, here we used like different tools to achieve this. Mainly we used uh, fibers in the storage units to make it easier for the respiratory therapist to access the equipment. And we used spaghetti diagrams to understand the floor and understand how the respiratory therapists are moving inside the floors and how much uh, distance they are traveling. And we also used uh, process flow charts to understand different usage case for the BiPAP and which allowed us to pinpoint where the bottlenecks were in the system. Malad, what did your control plan entail to help sustain these changes that Guru worked on for the hospital? Absolutely. So I think for IEs, uh, no matter what industry they work in, it's pretty important after they work on a project, they have a good sustained plan. So once they leave, things do not um, fall apart, if you will. So what Guru did was um, put this process in place 
in order for the supervisor of the respiratory department to have routine audits and checks to make sure, first of all, if the text messages are happening, if given the criteria that we define in the system, if our power levels are out of control or if an equipment enters the soil utility room, which was one of other criteria we had, or if an equipment stayed in the wrong location for a certain amount of time, the supervisor would make sure those texts are happening and on the back end, someone is reacting to those texts. Then again, technology by itself would only do so much. It needed to be backed up by a process. In this case, the supervisor would make sure that moving on would make sure that um, things are working, people are reacting. And if for any reason, any of the signals was not working, because that's a possibility, um, they, ha they have a plan how to address it, how to reach out to the right resource to fix those. So before Guru hands over this project, we met with the supervisor team and their leaders to make sure they have a good understanding of what's been done and what the expectation is to sustain the work. And I think everyone was very receptive and um, very grateful of the work that was done with their area. So that's, um, those are some elements that he used in the sustained plan. I also love how thinking about Plan Do Check Act and all these models that we use, how you always have this feedback loop. And when you get to the sustained part, you know, the that philosophy is the project's not over, right? It's working towards keeping those changes in place, but also to continually improve. So we have this feedback loop in everything that we do. That way it's not just a snapshot in time of, oh, we made these improvements and that's it. You know, that's the end of the story. And as we all know, that's not how it works. And we always need to work to continually improve whatever systems we put in place as well. Because as you mentioned, there are times where, oh, this doesn't work out as good in practice as I thought it would in theory. I agree. And there are times that the solution is awesome. The team works so hard towards that solution. Everyone is happy. But if the sustain, if, if a solid sustain plan is not in place, things could go in the wrong direction soon after that facilitator or project lead leaves that area and no longer works with that area. So that's one thing we always make sure that we have a good plan of sustainment before we hand off the project. And another big part of that too is making sure that your process is strong and that you're not relying on the people because people aren't always going to be a part of the process. So you want to make sure that your process is sustainable. <laughs> the word of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. They go hand in hand. People and processes, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Exactly. Guru, what were some of the impacts your project had on the hospital? Um, I know that a big thing was search time was reduced significantly and you also improved utilization. Can you go into more detail into some of those metrics? Yeah, uh, for the start of the project, we had a goal to basically reduce the search time of the BiPAP by 50% and also to develop a standard operating procedure for the respiratory therapist and how they, how they would go about finding the BiPAP and store it back in the storage units. So in order to achieve these time reductions, we implemented uh, two solutions. One is the text alert system and the uh, 
fibers in the storage units. So the text alert system helped us locate the BiPAP and send a text alert to the supervisor, whether the BiPAP is outside the patient room waiting for somebody to pick it up or the storage unit is so storage unit has more BiPAPs than it's allocated for or it has less BiPAPs than it's allocated for. So this text alerts made sure that the power levels in the storage units is maintained and not a lot of BiPAPs are left unused in the floors. So we used fibers in the storage units where we placed load tapes marking the location of the BiPAPs according to the power levels of each storage units and also visual indicators in the line of field where they can see when they open the door from the respiratory therapist's perspective, there will be a poster mentioning how much BiPAP should be here. And if it is, if the BiPAP is more than what it's supposed to be, where it should be taken. And this helped them maintain the power levels in the storage units. That's fantastic. It's always gratifying when you get to the end of the project and you get to relook at the data and see the improvements you made. So that's very impressive. And I'm sure our ladies of Lake is very appreciative of all the improvement efforts that you made in this project and that the LOD has worked with students over the years to help out with the hospital in that way. So speaking of that, Malad, were there any other applications you saw this having an impact on in the hospital? Although the project was focusing on one equipment type, which was BiPAP, um, as a result of the work and the project and the training that the respiratory therapists received, they learned how to work um, efficiently and effectively with our um, asset management system, our tracking system. So not only now they know how to work with it to find a BiPAP if they are looking to see where is the next available BiPAP laying around, they can also use the system for other types of respiratory equipment. Also on a broader level, there is a growth opportunity that we here within the Lean PMO team is currently discovering to expand the work that Guru did to other movable medical equipment. You could imagine having 30 plus units and hundreds of patients and several roles across the hospital makes it a bit challenging for certain shareable movable equipment that travel from one area to, to another. So the staff can have a smoother process for retrieval and a storage of other movable equipment. As you were saying that, I was thinking, how can I apply this to where I work? <laughs> Retrieval and storage of movable equipment is always an, a big issue. And the amount of non-value added time that you get from doing a time study or however you gather information, I'm always shocked by how much time is spent looking for equipment. It's always much, much higher than I anticipate. So yes, as you were talking, I was thinking, hmm, this sounds like something I could use where I work, even though my background is in manufacturing and not healthcare. So it is really neat to be able to get all these ideas and see it 
you know, cross over into other industries as well. You know, it doesn't have to just be limited to healthcare. It can go to many different other industries. Guru, I see that you started this project in late 2020 and wrapped it up in 2021. How did COVID affect data collection and interacting with the staff at the hospital? So with the COVID, uh, I started with the project when the COVID system was high and uh, we were able to collect that data, like the high season data that we referred. So we were able to check uh, if uh, we had enough BiPAPs and how much COVID patients are using the BiPAPs and how much BiPAPs are allocated to other patients. And because of COVID, we were unable to like physically go with the respiratory therapist and collect their time because of safety reasons. So we had to develop a manual simulation to collect the search time where by myself act as a respiratory therapist, take the BiPAP orders from the system and go looking for a BiPAP in that floor and time that uh, time it took for me to find a BiPAP and bring it back to the patient's floor. And that's how we were able to collect the data and find the closest to possible data collection that we could be done in this COVID situation. So yeah, as Guru was mentioning, at times it was hard to shadow the respiratory therapists because they were going to COVID units, they were traveling around the hospital. So what he did was he used a tag and then he would carry this tag around with him as if this is a real BiPAP um, device. So he would walk those floors and kind of simulate in a manual fashion on how would that um, equipment flow in the hospital. So in lieu of not being able to shadow the respiratory therapist as often as he wanted to, he was able to use a tag and move that tag with him across the hospital in order to get some of those time studies done, some data for his spaghetti map and stuff like that. It's great that we can leverage technology in a time like this, because I can definitely see how working in a hospital during COVID, obviously that has its own set of difficulties and not being able to do the gamble walks and things like that, like you normally would be able to. So it's great that y'all found a way to still simulate that. Yeah. Also, the other thing was, as this was happening during COVID, we've been in COVID for some time now, there were times that his meetings would cancel with those um, leaders over the respiratory department. And then he had to work on some other processes in the meantime and not wait on that element or item that he needed their clarification, instead work on some other processes and not wait for that. So he had kind of to readjust like many of us that we've been working um, in the hospital in the support services department because we don't deliver direct patient care. So he kind of learned it um, as he was doing this project that he had to be flexible and work around the schedule of people who um, were all of a sudden super busy and um, needed to be in other meetings and not necessarily uh, in an improvement meeting. Yeah, definitely over this past, I keep wanting to say year, but it's now been a year and a half going on too. The name of the game has been flexibility and adaptability. We've all had to make adjustments to how we would normally go about doing things. And for industrial engineering, 
gathering data is one of those things that we all had to learn different ways to go about getting that so that we can still continue with our improvement projects and things of that nature. Malad, where do you see industrial and systems engineers having the most impact in healthcare? I think with healthcare, as it's growing and growing, there is always this urgency to look for ways to be more efficient and cut um, unnecessary costs, any types of ways that we are pretty familiar with as IEs. So it's hard to pinpoint to a certain area. I think overall in optimizing the healthcare, IEs can help a lot with that. And um, I think it's because of the out-the-box thinking that an IE person has that um, they can be this outsider that suddenly is working with um, our surgeons, our leaders, our nurses, and see what they are doing with each of those processes that they are there to help improve. And as you know, as IEs, we learn system design, we learn how to run simulations, we learn about um, ergonomics. And I think that um, that skill set enables an IE to be um, successful and make um, contribution, actually good contribution to healthcare value delivery. Deary, what was your favorite part about working in the hospital for this project? Where did you feel you learned the most? Um, my favorite part was uh, like the daily Gamba walks that I did. And it helped me like see how the process works and how the hospital functions as it is. And the COVID presented a challenging space for everybody. And I could see that uh, this project had had a good impact with the respiratory department and also benefiting the hospital and the patients. Do y'all have any lessons learned or advice that you'd like to share with those starting on projects similar to this one? I think with this project, uh, the team really enjoyed working with Guru. He was new to healthcare with no prior healthcare experience. Uh, sorry, I'm going to do it again. I think with this project, the team really enjoyed working with Guru. He did not have any prior healthcare experience. As he mentioned, his background is aerospace in undergrad and then IE in, at a master level. So um, I think one thing, one advice that I can give um, is with this project, what he did, he worked very closely with the process owners and with those people who were actually doing the work. So he engaged them often and early on. So it wasn't like he would go about his work and then he comes with some, say, unrealistic expectation for the team to do. He would work with the team to come up with the right process, with the right solution. He almost, at, at times, he was making them to uh, make the calls and determine what's the correct power level based on the data that he had analyzed. So I think engaging um, process owners, engaging people who do the work, certainly going to contribute to the success of any work, especially times like this, that everyone's super busy, especially in healthcare, and uh, they need to be aware of that um, win-win situation. So with this work, 
Guru was able to gain experience, work towards his uh, master's project, and also he delivered a um, good outcome and good product for our hospital by doing this project. So I think, as I said, um, engaging the people who do the work is super important. And, and I would advise that to anyone who is working with um, people in healthcare on a lean project. Guru, do you have any lessons learned that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, as a graduate student, I would like to tell that whoever is looking to like take on a project and doing it, I would like them to like understand the process first. For me, since it was a hospital, it was like a very different environment than what I used to think uh, as a like an engineer with machines and everything. Here we have to work with the people, and uh, that's that's the one advice I would like to give. Like, it's more of a people-oriented uh, process, so we have to learn how to like adjust with them and how to make them uh, understand uh, our side of the industrial experience and make them to apply the same skills that we know that will work. One more thing that I learned uh, is that to look beyond what uh, the system is doing. So in, in case of the asset management system, the Skytron, so I was, look, I was looking into how what are the options available with the system provider and found out that they had a alert system that was not utilized in the facility. And I contacted the service provider and he was able to give me information like, will the equipment be tracked? Will we, will we be able to set certain areas where it shouldn't enter and will that trigger a alert alert message and all these were only possible as I was looking outside uh, the current system's capability and was able to find this solution which was very helpful in bringing down the pipe of search time. Malad and Guru, thank you so much for sharing your work and for showing us different applications of industrial and systems engineering in healthcare. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed it. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Problem Solved, the IISC podcast, a production of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers in Metro Atlanta. This podcast is produced by David Brandt, Keith Albertson, and Michael Hughes, and edited by David Brandt. You can listen to all episodes of Problem Solved and learn about sponsorship opportunities by visiting our website, podcast.iise.org. You can also learn more about IISE at the Institute's website, www.iise.org.